Podcast One production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. We've all heard about the long list of Aussies who got their start on soaps like Home and Away and Neighbours. Jai Courtney got his Hollywood break via New Zealand, where he was playing a lead role in the hit American series Spartacus. Pretty soon, Jai was working with Tom Cruise in Jack Reacher, playing Bruce Willis's son in A Good Day to Die Hard and acting alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator Genesis. Last year, he returned home to play Macbeth on stage in Melbourne and then filmed a reimagining of the classic Aussie family film Stormboy, before finally heading back to his LA home where he invited me over for tea, muffins and a chat. Here's Jai. So, <laughs> finally. Yeah, I know. So, welcome to Aussies in Hollywood. Um, I'm sure this is your favourite thing to do, sit and talk about yourself. But So, I really appreciate that you... Uh, <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You had such an interesting journey to get here. There's a few people that did it with the soaps in Australia. And then there's sort of... It was another group I kind of felt like that Spartacus was was their kind of launching pad. Do you want to just start there with that part of your story? And Yeah, well, I, I think the interesting thing about that show, Spartacus was one of those, you know, because it was an American production, it sort of comes with a level of prestige and really that's just, you know, because of the budget that's behind it. And, and, and so, you know, with that, you know, there's going to be a ton of opportunity and it was an exciting thing for a lot of us because there was a few years of, like, solid work there working on something really cool where, um, you know, Aussies had the opportunity to, you know, even get offshore and like go to NZ and shoot it. But I mean, I remember when I got there, my mind was blown. Like it was, I hadn't had much experience on, on film or TV sets anyway. I'd done a little bit of work in Sydney, but it was, uh, it was pretty crazy and pretty special. Like to see that you're like, holy shit, this is, you know, this is Hollywood. This is like, you know, this is, uh, the scale of things. And, and, uh, that was impressive and 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 really cool. Um, that was a, a bit of an accidental thing. I got, I think I got, I went in for like a one ep guest role, and they called back and and uh, had offered me like a, a a larger part, and it turned out to be, you know, it was pivotal. It really, really was. Even though I hadn't been in the game that long, um, it really shifted things, and it gave me the relationships that I needed to learn about what the next step in, in this was going to be and, and, and the encouragement and, and like, you know, the, the money to like get, get on a plane and go to LA. I mean, let's, you know, let's face it. You can't, we're all broke at different times as actors and, and sometimes we're not. And then sometimes we are again. And that's the, that's the sort of, it's a feast or famine kind of uh, business, but you know, like uh, kind of coming out here for three months isn't something that happens for, for free, you know, and, and particularly back then visa status is a very different, not everyone is kind of doing things incredibly legitimately. It's like, you know, you've got to kind of get creative. And if you don't have a few bob in your pocket to, um, to, you know, to get out here and feed yourself and, 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 you know, uh, stay warm, then it's going to become a lot more difficult. So it was, it was, really helpful in a lot of ways I think as the, the sort of first big step for me mm. it backed me for about a year really after that um of coming back and forth and and you know being on that grind that so you didn't immediately 
go to LA after Spartacus and stay there? You just sort of... No, I came out because I was kind of like, you know, what's the process? And people I'd met on the show, you know, my good mate Andy Whitfield, who's no longer with us, was a you know, huge wealth of knowledge for that stuff. He'd been doing this shit for years. And so he was, he was great for being able to like break down, all right, you know, here's what to do, here's not what to do. Here's where to stay, you know, the, the kind of all that great. stuff that oh, it was great. And and really, when you're that, when you're that green and haven't been in the game long enough to have a lot of major like professional influences, um, you need someone like that to help you. Or you're gonna, you know, you, I mean, you're gonna learn a few things the hard way anyway. But uh, it's uh, it was really helpful to have someone be like, no, no, listen, you got to go out. You get it because you don't even know. I mean, then you know the process of coming out of drama school in Australia for me was we showcase at the end of that three years and then you, you know, you hope to secure an agent and then you're kind of in, you're auditioning and you're like, all right, I guess I'm an actor now, you know, and uh, (laughs) it's sort of similar out here, but the pond's a lot bigger and, um, you know, you want to, you want to land somewhere comfortable and with the right kind of people and sometimes developing those relationships early is, is a little trickier for some than others. I mean, to come out here and like meet with a bunch of agencies or management companies and after a 30-minute meeting decide that you're going to make a huge commitment to one another, you know, can be tough for both sides and and kind of hard to call. And, and a lot of people don't have a dream run with that and it can take a few years before you really find your home. So th- I don't know much about before you went to Whopper. I know you lived, you were born and raised in Sydney, right? It was a lovely yeah, yeah. place called Cherrybrook, Cherry which Brook. sounds very suburban and lovely. Certainly was. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about your upbringing, your influences, and at what point did you feel like you gravitated towards, you know, your experience with film and television? What was your exposure to that? Well, film and television um, came much later as a sort of interest or even, you know, concern of mine. I mean, my, my introduction to acting was through theatre, uh, and through the arts unit uh, at the Department of Education in New South Wales because they had like an amazing sort of series of programs uh, designed to cultivate talent with kids in the, you know, in the arts. And I was fortunate enough to be, uh, to get involved as early as year, I think year five. Um, we used to be, what was it, the, Met- the Metropolitan drama ensemble or something junior dramas I anyway we're out there and we'd meet once a week and it was you know do you do play built stuff and devised work and we'd be you know we'd perform at the festival the regional drama festival um and you know it's a school it's a school kind of based thing but it's extracurricular and but it sounds like I mean why did you gravitate towards that in the first place because you look like someone who'd be into sports and I was too yeah I was I was but I you know I was a show off and I liked dressing up and you know kind of like that's yeah that's really where it came from I mean I'm my, my earliest memory of doing anything drama related was being dropped off mum and mum dropped my sister Brie and I at this there was like a after school kind of like kids impro thing down the road from where we went to school in Galston uh-huh. and uh it's like running around and playing basic games like really like kind of you know simple simple stuff for kids but I guess we you know an interest for that stem from there and it I guess you know there was just an innate desire to to perform uh and so that was I don't know it kind of just led it was like one thing to another it made sense and my sister had got involved with it 
Uh, she hasn't been for a long time, probably ever since. But she got involved with this group. She tried out and got in and then when I was old enough, it sort of seemed like the thing I wanted to do. And so, yeah. And I mean, the sport stuff, juggling with the creative interests happened all through primary school and high school and up until, you know, I stopped playing rugby league the year I went to Whopper. And had I remember having like withdrawals, you know, because it was like, it was something I loved as well. Um, not nearly as uh, gifted at. <laughs> I was going to say, you weren't going to be able to get a career in uh, rugby I probably, league. I probably thought I could, but yeah, there was no <laughs> chance of that happening. You finished high school and did you plan while you were in high school that I want to pursue this academically or how did that happen? Uh, it was through, the, the influences got heavier through high school. The the drama, the, the, the program kind of evolved, a bit, you know, they're different groups, but... Um, I was involved in it through year eight and nine and then in year 11 and 12, um, the state drama company is kind of the most senior uh, iteration of that idea through the arts unit and through that I'd met a bunch of graduates from NIDA and WAPA and VCA. They did like a 10th anniversary show of a production and, and, a, and a few actors came back and um, performed with us and by that point we're doing like dialect classes with amazing tutors and like you know wow. it's putting on full you know budgeted stage productions yeah. of stuff so you're kind of getting a pretty real taste of what you know theater's like on some level um in a professional sense and because too you know like i went to you know i was in the public education system i mean you know some high school productions i'm sure have insane budgets and you know on lighting rigs hung in their theatres and and get to kind of get a taste of that much earlier it you know it wasn't really the case we had a great program at Cherrybrook but um you know it was a different kind of scale of things and so this was an awesome way to kind of um be out and amongst it and I just loved it I loved it so much and you know wanted to be like these guys that were coming in and and girls that were like you know coming and hanging out with us after their time through the tertiary system and and it just became one of those things I was like yeah I'd love to get into that and it didn't happen straight away I got out of high school and I'd, I'd auditioned for NIDA didn't get in went and got a job in a warehouse like work my grades weren't good enough to really do anything else I had no other major interests that I wanted to pursue from a university level <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the plan is here there's no backup <laughs> well not really no and you know I maintained that I mean that's that's kind of the reality of it I I and I might even even at that point I wasn't sure what becoming an actor necessarily meant for me I, I didn't really wasn't really even thinking that far ahead um but I wanted to go to drama school because I just wanted to keep up this education and uh and that experience with it and and keep performing um, in the theatre. And so that eventually happened the next year. I got into Whopper, and then, you know, you're buried there for three years. And it was there that really the, the next, uh, you know, those next kind of, that next wave of ambition kind of really cemented itself. And I, I got pretty sure in the first year at Whopper that I was like, I want to go make films, you know, I want to do it. I want to go to Hollywood, LA, whatever it is. You know, I'm, I'm like, I was... You know, I, I was a bit of a class clown, but there was I was serious about what I, you know, what I wanted to do with it. I didn't. I took it seriously. You know, didn't mean I was the best student necessarily there. <laughs> but it's a big commitment. You moved to Perth, like yeah. it's like the opposite direction to Hollywood. So I know. I know. you didn't think about like just going into 
soaps and then LA or? I didn't know what any of it meant. Like, honestly, it was so green at that time. I remember my mum, like, uh, yeah, there was, like, something was on one day. It was, like, Home and Away or something. And she had clocked in the credits um, who was casting it and was like, go on, just call them. And like, you know, Aww. I was like, I don't want, I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to cold call someone and just, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. So I did. And uh, I remember kind of, actually it was really helpful. I was so embarrassed by it, but I was, they were help, I was helped out a lot because I had no idea what any of that meant. And they were like, listen, you need, if you want to do that, you, you want, you need a theatrical agent, you need representation, you probably need a headshot and a showreel. <laughs> And I was like, a so this was the casting person actually talked to you and gave you this yeah. advice. That's yeah. nice. The assistant there, and um, and they were like, you know, that's that's how it kind of rolls. And I was like, all right. Uh, and they sent me. They actually mailed me like oh. a list of uh, agencies in Sydney to my house. Wow. And I got that and uh, and called a couple, and I'd sort of run a few names past some friends of mine. They were like, oh, yeah, these guys are super legit. And some guy I knew was like a NIDA grad had signed with them and this and that. And so I, I called a few, um, and they were, it was the same kind of deal. It was like, they were very sweet, but it was mostly like, yeah, yeah, cool. Our books are closed right now, um, but if you send us your headshot and showreel, and of course I didn't even know what that was. Honestly, I was like, I don't have a headshot. I'm a showreel of what? I haven't done anything. <laughs> of your high school production. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. And that's where I kind of was like, all right, cool, time out. Yeah. And I, to be honest, a lot of that was just too intimidating to want to really hunt down, you know. And there are, you know, there's there's classes in Sydney for kids to get into screen stuff and you know, so there were like young. Some kids have agents from when they're, you know, five years old because their parents are supportive. You know, for me, it wasn't really about film and telly at that time at all. Um, it was just an interest in performance and through theatre, and so it didn't really, didn't really grow into something that I was willing to like go after. You know, I kind of, I guess, I wanted it to just unfold. You know, I didn't, I wasn't that concerned about chasing it down. Um, too much you know I just wanted to be on the stage really was the truth of it it sounds like your parents were really um supportive they were great they they you know they they've always been great I think it was a healthy balance of not sort of pushing me into the business no one in my family um is in the business had been you know it, it was so it was kind of this sort of you know mum and I had always I mean we all had my whole family gone to the theater a lot when we were growing up um, so I think, you know, certainly my mother was the creative, uh, the stronger creative influence. I mean, she, uh, has been involved in, you know, drama programs at her school. She was a teacher for a long time, um, for years. And so that kind of, that's definitely where it stemmed from. But, um, yeah, they were kind of like, there was a healthy amount of like support you going to do it, but not you know no one was waiting in the wings trying to you know make me live out their dreams that's for sure do you remember how you felt when you got your first j job after wapo was it packed to the rafters oh, or one of those stoked it was the best day ever yeah it was it was uh, i think it was all saints actually oh, yeah. it's an amazing feeling it's it's a it's it's an amazing feeling to get out of there and then if you land a you know an agent and someone you're really thrilled to be with, that's like an incredible feeling because you're getting these little boosts of. I mean, we we get really uh, familiar with how tough it is as we get through. I think everyone comes in, kind of you know bright eyed and bushy tailed, and and is putting 
the drama school itself on the pedestal when you get there. You know, you know it's been like a tough road even to just get in and it really is. And then you realize, oh shit, that wasn't even like, it's that's like the least of my worries. Like here I am studying, okay, big deal. Uh, I got to get through these three years and then get out and then actually, you know, get a foothold of some description. And yeah, getting that first gig is a is a bit of, it's a bit of confirmation that you should should be doing what you're doing or at least an encouragement. So it was All Saints and Packed to the Rafters as well? Yeah, I did a guestie on Packed to the Rafters for a couple eps and then I was doing some Was it a little well. intimidating being with all these actors that you probably watched yeah, totally. On TV yourself. And you're so like you you're so green at that point and kind of <laughs> it's just so much guesswork, you know, just in the technicalities of like how film sets work. And I mean, it's pretty cool. Aussie domestic stuff moves pretty quick, you know. Get the day done. It's not there's not a lot of like faffing around. There was probably a table read for those episodes in the room and then you're out there and it's it's funny. I mean, it's pretty intimidating as a young actor to like just try and catch up on the day. And you see it throughout the industry, you know, up like you see young guys and girls getting their first like lines on screen in huge Hollywood films. And it's, I mean, you gotta like, my heart goes out to them sometimes because it's not easy. And, and you see sometimes people have a really tough time, you know, it doesn't matter how much sort of raw talent they've got or how much, you know, they've been seeing their acting coach through the week to get there on the set when we're trying to make our day and there's 200 people flying around and we, you know, it's like you're not always afforded the most time to warm up into that space. <laughs> um, so, yeah, certainly it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty scary. But, you know, we got there. And I guess you must have done a lot of learning on the spot on Spartacus then. Uh, totally. Because that I was mean, a different level and you hadn't done that it was before. A, it was a totally different level. And it was, I mean, it was so much more immersive because I actually got to see a character through, you know, guest roles and stuff's great. It's good fun. Um, but being able to kind of like have a, you know, be part of like a longer narrative and a part of, you know, to actually have a thread that continues through, um, was, uh, was really great. And you get, you're exploring different sides there every day. And I mean, something like Spartacus, I mean, we had, you know, we had a month long boot camp. We're learning fight sequences and, uh, training and dieting and tanning and shaving all our body hair and all that fun <laughs> shit to get prepared uh, and get in character. Um, but you're like living in it, you know, they're big long days and you're part of a big family and uh, yeah, it was really valuable in that sense. Uh, I learned a ton being on that job and you continue to. I mean, that's something that happens. Look, it's amazing to see some people, you know, get a nod for an Oscar on their first film it's 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 pretty awe-inspiring but like if I ever catch some of my work from five or six years ago it's like you you really I mean some of it can be quite cringeworthy it's more so than it was at the time to ever to watch because you've you come a long way and you don't even realize how far you've got to go I mean you can acknowledge it but so much of that learning happens uh just through experience and it it's you know it's not even necessarily conscious, but um, there's so much room for growth. So, I mean, look, I haven't gone back and watched Spartacus, but I, I'd be loath to because I'm sure I'm my sure work... I'm sure you can is, get the set on DVD. Oh, I'm sure I could, yeah. I don't know if I ever <laughs> need to do that. It was also, I'm sure it was a bittersweet time because everybody loved Andy and, you know, he got very ill while you were working with him, right? Uh, sort of. He We'd wrapped up our work together uh, when things kind of 
ground to a bit of a halt on Spartacus and they had to go into like um, kind of, you know, uh, contingency mode. But I was done on the show uh, by that point. But I mean, yeah, fuck, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a terrible time. It was really, really hardcore. Next couple of years were... Yeah, you know, for him. But you were in LA from that point onwards, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, pretty much. Back and forth. I would go back. Um, you know, I couldn't stay here then. My visa was. I was just still on a tourist visa, so I'd come out for like three months at a time, not looking for work. Uh, <laughs> and go, if anyone from immigration's and, listening, and, and go home again, um, because that's you know that's how that's how it operated. And I was fortunate enough. I used to stay at my manager's house. Uh, he had a spare room, him and his fam, and he invited me up to stay on my f- on my first or second trip out here. And that kind of really saved oh. the day in a lot of ways because, you know, you're not making – I wasn't making any money. I was going home. I was lucky. Who was your manager? Uh, Sam Maydew. He's still my manager. Mm, yeah. Um, and Silver lining, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's like family to me and, and really did like – you know, he took me in early on. I was staying at the Banana Bungalow on Fairfax in West Hollywood. <laughs> it's a great hostel, actually, if anyone out there needs a recommendation. But uh, he, I remember we'd met one night out at drinks and he was like, so where are you staying? And I was like, I'm at the, uh, I'm at the Banana Bungalow. <laughs> it like, sounds very fancy. Like, You're in a hostel? I was like, yeah. And he's like, you got to come up the house. And uh, I did and that changed, you know, everything. And, and so I'd come out for three months and go back and come out again and go back. Um, and that was about two years of that before I booked my first film. Was it Jack Reacher? It was Jack Reacher. Oh, yeah. just a little movie with just this nobody called Tom Cruise, right? That was <laughs> it. Was pretty cool for that to go down. That's I mean, amazing. It, yeah, it's it absolutely was, and and still one of my favourite filming experiences. Um, you know, to date, it's. You know, it's funny, man. Sometimes you're going out for things, you, you're you so hungry to work and so hungry to make a bit of cash and just get some validation and, like, figure out why the hell you're here and what you're putting it all on the line for. And you're going out on jobs that, I mean, occasionally you're just like, man, what is what am I saying in this audition? Like, what, like, what, is, this, what is this role? You know it's some bogus thing, but it's part of, like, what you do. I mean, you gotta you got to be open to everything when when nothing's going on sometimes particularly early on um but i uh i was really grateful that the the one that dropped was a pretty legit film did you have to do some kind of a read with tom cruise did he have to sort of like have a say in your casting no not for that i just did a couple there was an audition and a callback um but he i mean he approved the casting he was a producer on the movie um and uh, yeah, I remember getting a pretty special message from the director around that time when it happened, and and I think they knew, you know, they knew what it meant to me, and uh, there was a certain amount of um, kind of I don't know enjoyment in the fact that they'd given a young guy a shot with something that because it's funny, man. There's so much sometimes there's just an algorithm with these things that break down, and you you know you're going out for a role that's not going to go to a kid with no credits. I mean, it might, there's like, there's always the chance, but um, the it's the nature of the beast. Favorite. Yeah, and so, I mean, look, sometimes you're going out for stuff that's out on offer to someone else and, you know, that's just not information that you're ever privy to. Um, but it's a reality of how this, you know, town can work sometimes. Um, so for something like that to go my way as, as a first gig was, was really special. 
so that was the it was Jack Reacher and then a good day to die hard uh it was pretty uh no there was I I came home and did I Frankenstein between that okay. it was all cr- such like it was it was crazy at the time I remember because I'm on Jack Reacher and you're meeting people you know all of a sudden you're working on a movie and it's a different world and it's like all right cool and there's, you know, trailers, the length of buses on set and catering and all this crazy shit where you're like, what the hell's going on? And I hear Tom you, Cruise is a pretty nice kind of boss, right? He's a great dude. Great guy, incredibly hard worker, um, really, like, sets an amazing example. Like, really, truly, I, yeah. And I, brings a coffee cart and things like that, people he, tell me. He used to do that. He did. But so, like, you know, people would talk about, oh, what are you doing next? And I remember being on that job thinking, like, what am I doing next? Like, what are you talking about next? I'm like, I got a job. Like, I got a gig. Who cares? <laughs> like, I got a movie. Don't worry about next. We're here now. Um, but then, uh, you know, start that starts to become a reality. And you're like, damn, yeah, what the hell is next? And with, I mean, look, work begets work. It's, you know. Yeah. It's an old adage. It's not, nothing better than a good time to, no. to be on a it's true. Tom and, Cruise and, movie. And when, you know, when that's happening, all of a sudden there's like uh, another page in your kind of story that um, is interesting to people and they that starts to become something that they're factoring in when considering you for something else. So things started to kind of steamroll a little. Um, and I came home, did I Frankenstein, and then it was on my way home that I'd, I'd auditioned for, uh, for Die Hard. And that was kind of funny. I was, I'd met Bruce for a, like a screen test in LA and uh, we'd done a thing. And then I got on the plane. It was like, turn around, get back here. You got to, uh, they want you to go in and meet Bruce on Monday. And I had to like, you know, drag my bags off the flight and hold the thing up and whatever. Oh, they got me just really? in time. Yeah. But, you know, you're like, oh my God, what is going on? But it's all incredibly exciting at the time. Uh, so that happened. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, it worked out. It was lengthy. It didn't it didn't all happen like straight away. I think that one there was a there was some major scheduling issues and there was a few things going on. It was kind of gonna go my way and then didn't and then did and then didn't. It was Boy, it, that must be stressful. Yeah, it gets like that sometimes, but it's part of the biz. <laughs> it was I remember at that time it was an amazing thing because you suddenly we heard about you you know, in Jack Reacher. And within two years, you were playing Bruce Willis's son in a Die Hard movie and you were in Terminator. Mm-hmm. I mean, from your perspective, did it feel that, like, holy crap, like, or did it just feel like you were so busy in it you weren't really... Yeah, it's a bit of both. I mean, the, the when, when everything else around it starts to step up and you start to do press junkets and... You know, you're doing magazine shoots and all this kind of crazy, like things like that were the were the the moments that made me kind of go, "What the hell's going on?" I got used to the work aspect kind of quickly, um, and not in any sense that I I wasn't kind of totally appreciative of it all. But you you know, you, you there's only so long you can stand there like a deer in the headlights and go, "Oh, what am I doing? I'm talking to Tom Cruise." You know, you got to there's <laughs> a job point. you got a job to do. And it's like so, and 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 so you kind of, you know, it's as as thrilling as those as that ride can be. Um, you know, the work and your dedication to it is all growing rapidly as well. And so I think with that uh, comes kind of, uh, you know, the the stunned factor of it all starts to dissipate quite quickly, and and you just start to become more invested and. Um, 
you know, you're, you're chasing it harder because you want to do good stuff and you want to put good work on screen and the stakes are higher and you become incredibly aware of that. I mean, you know, I was so fortunate on that trajectory early on to be part of some really cool big action stuff. Um, but it wasn't with kind of any like blind sense of, oh, we'll just see what happens. You know, you're like, man, you, you want these things to be good. And, um, you know, I mean, look, they're all like they're all fun experiences, mixed kind of responses to different things. Like all that shit plays in at a certain time, and and uh, so yeah. I mean, I guess I guess as as quickly as that was all happening, um, you lose a sense of it being like just you know pinch yourself stuff, and 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 really you just want to put good stuff on screen. Although I'm sure you must have grown up with the Die Hard movies, so the fact that it was a Die Hard movie. Oh, there's no denying, of course. Like and and Terminator as well. I mean, working with some of those legends is. You're Bruce Willis's kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. That's for sure. <laughs> Did he treat you like his kid, or? He's a good guy. He uh, I wasn't. He wasn't super paternal with me, <laughs> but. Uh, we were good. We got along. We actually did. We didn't hang out a lot until after the after the shoot was over. Um, probably just because of the nature, and he he just had a, a like a newborn baby girl at the time, so there wasn't a lot of uh, you know extracurricular bonding. Um, <laughs> but he was great. And what about Arnold? Did when did you meet him? On set. On set, we met. Um, yeah, I mean, we just got straight into that thing. There wasn't a lot of, not, not none of those films. You you know, sometimes productions are afforded the time to like do rehearsal and everyone get to know each other. And I mean, honestly, at most, it's usually like there's a week of costume fittings and maybe some dialect sessions and a bit of weapons training, and then yeah. you're in and you're off and you're shooting. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't think I met Arnold till we were actually filming on Terminator. But he's great. I mean, he's you know. He's larger than life. He's Arnold. Yeah, he's Arnold. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you kind of, your career after that, you sort of did the Water Diviner. You've done things unbroken back in Australia. You've done things here. You've done big movies. You've done small movies. What is it that makes you want to say yes? Well, it's a number of things that can sort of uh, influence that decision. Um, you know, uh, firstly, it's, you know, who, who you might be working with. From any, you know, whether that's cast or your creatives, you know, have you got a first time director that's really exciting for some reason that can be just built on a conversation you've had or a pitch they've had or seeing a treatment for a film that they've, um, you know, put together a package to kind of, you know, tell the story or paint the picture that they want to tell. Um, and, you know, I mean, usually it's down to the script and the role. It's like if something's interesting, uh, it can be interesting for any number of reasons. And I'm not, I've never been closed off to any particular genre or, um, you know, I do fear sometimes the repetition of things. It's often, you know, if I've played in one space in a film, you don't really want to go and do that again. And it's funny how, how quickly things will start to overlap. You know, I've put, I've played men in uniform a lot. Um, and I think that's just going to happen for my entire career, certainly while I'm young enough to, to portray them on screen um, authentically. And, and that's not something that I resent by any means. I'm, it's an honour, but it's something that there's, there's got to be a bit of craft in figuring out when it's the right time to do that and, and for the right reasons. Um, and, you know, I, look, it's, 
Yeah, so it's kind of all of those things. And sort of like being a villain or a good guy too. Like yeah. you don't want to get, you know, well, end up yeah, being the bad guy in a movie all the it's, time. It's a funny old like balance. Ben Mendelsohn's I mean, always right. Well, he does it damn good, yeah. you know. It's <laughs> and I think sometimes there, look, there comes a moment where it's okay to accept if um, you tend to get pushed in certain directions or you tend to land in certain places because talk about Arnold. For instance, I mean, the dude is so iconic. It doesn't matter that he's got an Austrian accent. Who gives a shit? Like, we just we just want to see him doing what we want to see him doing. Yeah. You know, The Rock's kind of similar. He's the biggest movie star in the world. It's like there's a formula. Uh, and it's like, it's, there's incredible intelligence behind that. It's not kind of some disregard for anything else. It's like he's knowing, he, he knows what he's putting out there and he knows what his fans want. And, there's, and he knows what his brand is. Exactly. What's your relationship been like with all the other Aussies that have come before you and after you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, look, I mean... I mean, you're all busy, but... We're all busy and it also, you know, it's kind of things roll on in a fashion whereby I'm not necessarily so aware of, like, some generational, like, uh, process with it all. You know, I've I've had the good fortune, like, I worked with Russell. Um, he directed The Water Diviner and, and was in it as well and became a really good friend through that process and, you know, I've looked up to him in a lot of ways. Joel Edgerton was someone who early on... Oh, with Felony. We worked together yeah. with, on Felony and I've stayed friendly with and, you know, he's doing amazing things. Like, those guys will always be uh, heavy influences for me and, um, you know, but so are, like, a bunch of people that I've never seen out here in LA as well, you know. I mean, I don't know Hugh very well. We met once or twice, but having him be like a Whopper grad, for instance, was something you hang on to when you're young and when that's when that's a reality. I mean, you that's like that's a special connection that you kind of you cherish even just for yourself because it gives you, I mean, fuel to to like keep that kind of fire light. And, it, and it's it's an example of someone that's gone through a similar journey that you have. You know, no one's like climbed through the real. You know, the mud is the same, but to see that, that those steps can lead somewhere really amazing is is always um, you know encouraging. Um, but you know, I look, I got a lot of mates out here that are Aussies. Some that I we'd never had a relationship back home, and and then there's some that like you know each other from around, but we're not exactly catching up too much. Yeah. Um, so you know. Well, the one question I always ask everybody because because people are always fascinated by how many Australians there are over here. Um, and, you know, in the old days there was like Paul Hogan and Mel Gibson and now now there are honestly people on shows and movies that I don't even know totally. they're Australian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a very small country. So I wondered, I'm sure you've been asked a million times like I have, like do you have any theories on why so many people from such a small country have taken over Hollywood? <laughs> I want to know the person that's got the like the winning answer to this question because we all get asked it, right? Mm. And I mean, look, I think there's some there's some really simple truth to it. You know, I think we our attitude of not taking ourselves too seriously and and we have an interesting relationship with with ambition and the way, you know, we conduct ourselves. I mean, I think you know, as Aussies, it's like we don't let ourselves get away with a lot of bullshit, and that's a helpful thing. And it's a refreshing thing in you know in a town like LA or being out on film sets wherever the hell you are because it's not always the case you know a lot of people get away with a lot and uh and it becomes part of 
how this industry kind of panders to it and works and there's a lot of like, you know, concessions made for certain behaviours and I think when Aussies come and they want to like turn up on time and, you know, stand on their mark in the, you know, the right place and like respect their fellow actor and be there and like give all day because it's within our nature to want to do that and to stand beside our mates and like be appreciative of the fact that we're there and um, it's not just all about us. I think that that actually like, uh, you know, it resonates and I think people recognise it. And so, you know, that's that's the only thing I could say I think that might have something to do with it. I mean... Well, I think you've already answered the rest of that question right. because basically every opportunity you got in Australia came through some government-funded right. organisation and people in Kansas and, you know, Oklahoma don't have... Sure. Don't have anybody helping them, you know, get an education as an actor. No, it's very true. It's very. I think we're, you know, we're very supportive in that sense. I mean, we. I mean, God knows we could give more to our arts in, in certainly on a domestic level. But um, it is. Uh, I think it is something that's. There's an attitude that's within us innately that I that I think helps. So you speaking of the next generation, you did uh, Suicide Squad mm-hmm. um, with Margot Robbie. Did you know each other before? No, very briefly we'd met once before, um, but no, we didn't really know each other before getting to film. And that was a pretty harsh movie to make. I heard lots of stories about the cold and um, just, you know, it was a long shoot. So was it helpful to have – it seems like you all got along pretty well. Yeah, too well at times, I think. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) We became like this silly little troop, this little family, uh, and we still are in a lot of ways. I mean, I – not you know we don't get to see each other too often i guess everyone's around doing doing lots of different things but um yeah i mean we just hit it off it was it was kind of you know kind of kind of gross how well we all got on which was it made it so much easier i mean we i don't really think about that film as being tough to make i mean it was in 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 the sense that you know doing anything for 6 months and shooting 15 hour days uh can be but um you know, we were put through the ringer. I mean, it wasn't like a film, you know, where kind of people were just phoning it in and, and getting pampered <laughs> through the process. We, you know, we all worked incredibly hard. And, you know, you talk about Margot. I mean, she, you know, she's wearing next to nothing in most of the movie and standing under a rain tower for a month shooting nights in Toronto, you know, isn't fun. But uh, but we all had fun in the process. Um so uh, yeah, that was a, that was a special one. And you got to have your own accent as Captain I did. Boomerang. So refreshing, I know. How how was that? Oh, it's great. It's good. I think there should be more Aussies, you know, superheroes or villains or whatever you want to Are call. Are we going to have a spin off of Captain Boomerang? I don't know. I reckon they should. Um, I think we're probably a while away from that happening, but uh, don't don't think I haven't thought of it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We got to we got to figure out what's going on with the sequel to that. There was uh, well, there is talk. There is talk of a Suicide Squad too. Yes. Oh, we'll be doing one. It was only in the trades yesterday that they announced uh, James Gunn, uh, writer director of Guardians, mm. has um, has been uh, has done a deal to write the sequel, which good was it's fantastic. It's I was slightly uh, confused because I thought someone else was on that job already, but. Uh, 
these big tent poles, you never know what the... Sometimes uh, there's ten people on the yeah, job and very, then they very, decide very, which one they want at the end. Very true. <laughs> you can't really, can't believe everything you read in the trades either, so we'll, we'll no. see what happens. But well, I know there's a Harley uh, Harlequin spin-off. Yeah. I don't know if you make a cameo in that or... I haven't got the call yet, but... Uh, you but know, Margot better. I'm around, yeah. <laughs> now, didn't you guys have a, a bet where one of you ended up with a tattoo over it while you were making that movie? Yeah, I have a, I have a, a QLD on my wrist... Uh, from the, a bet that I lost during the State of Origin. Not thrilled about it. It's right there. There it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Mags. Uh, <laughs> yep. She oh. would have done it if her team had lost, right? She said she would, yeah. Uh, that was the deal, but, you know, it was serves me right for being too cocky in that time. And, and also picking that at the end of, an, I think it was, a, we were eight years down at that point, New South Wales, so mm. it's good to get one back this year. <laughs> I remember last year when you were at G'day, you were kind of getting ready to go back to Melbourne and do Macbeth, which oh, shit, yeah. must have been an amazing experience it and was. you got great reviews. And But, you know, it's it's um, again, it's one of those things that not a lot of people would get the opportunity or even want to do yeah. after the career that you built up at that point. And that was like living out a dream for me in a lot of ways, um, which I thought, you know, I, I, well, I mean, I hadn't hadn't been focused on for a while, obviously. Um, but uh, creatively speaking, it was sort of the answer to my prayers at the time. I was sort of wading through a few things and and not really finding the material I wanted to work on in film, um, and just kind of needing to like, I don't know, like kick my legs out a little and just shake up the sort of the plan. It was. You know, LA can get a bit claustrophobic at times, and and particularly if, you know, if things if things slow down, it's like really hard to sit still, um, for me anyway. Uh, and and so Macbeth coming along was like one of those crazy emails I got. I was like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. But wow. there's no way in hell I'm gonna pass up the opportunity. So you've got like a bunch of things in the can now. Um, just tell us a little bit about each of them. I think Storm Boy, Storm Buffalo. Storm Boy's coming. Uh, I just wrapped on this great little dark kind of comedy uh, called Buffaloed, um, which we shot up in Toronto. Uh, Semper Fidelis happened earlier in the year. Um, that's – I don't know where – well, the fate of those two are a little different. They're indie, so you kind of got to wait and see what happens with distributors as – with distributors and, you know, uh, whether they'll do a deal to get that into cinemas or maybe they'll, you know, get a run at a festival. I think they've both been submitted to a couple. So we'll see. But uh, hearing great things, I, I saw Semperfy the other week and it's it's really good. I'm really proud of that film. So What's it about? It's essentially, it's set in 2005. Um, it, it's focuses, it's a small town film about, uh, you know, four guys whose lives are kind of changed by, a, an, you know, an event that goes down. I won't spoil that, um, but it's there's there's a deployment. It's not really a it's not a film about Marines, but they are all reservists, um, and uh, based on you know true events about a bunch of guys who who uh, who got shipped out. It doesn't really focus around that tour um, of Iraq, but uh, it, more about events that sort of shift their lives on either side of it. Um, but it's a you know small town kind of drama that that just was a really like fulfilling process to go through I think creatively it was a tiny little movie and, and tough to make and um you know tough to get off the ground but uh sometimes they're the they're the greatest experiences you know when when you know you're losing light during the day and you're fighting against 
you know, uh, the conditions and, and, and you know, there's, there's no extra time to get the bits you missed out on. You've really got to scrap it out. And we got really lucky because the movie really hinges on uh, the relationship of these five guys. And uh, without being able to believe that, it doesn't work. And, and I think was another example of where we just got really lucky with a great cast and, you know, worked with some incredible boys, Bo Knapp, Nat Wolf, Finn Whitrock and Arturo Castro, myself. And we all, um, you know, we all, you know, we fell in love. Like we, we hit it off. And to play guys who've known each other for 20 years and have met four days before we roll camera, I mean, it's, you, that can go any number of ways. But uh, we got really lucky. And Storm Boy. Storm Boy, yeah. So how, how was that experience? It was great. It was crazy. I came straight off Macbeth and went straight down to... Um, down to Adelaide and then down to Goa uh, and we shot out there on the Coorong and um, I mean it was look I mean you know like a lot of Aussies most of us probably have some relationship with that story Um, and I loved it growing up I really did and uh, so it was kind of just like a special little like milestone to be invited to be part of that and the way they've sort of re-threaded the 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 story of the film is really wonderful. There's a contemporary um, kind of continuation of that narrative that's woven in. Uh, so it's not a strict remake of the film by any means, but, um, you know, uh, I, I think reimagining is the, the the buzzword around how we've handled it. Um, but it, it, it really is. And, it, and it's it's crafted wonderfully. Sean Seat directing and, uh, yeah, I saw it. Uh, not long ago. I'm really proud of it as well. But you must have loved the idea of being back on a set in Australia. Oh, yeah. It's always such a privilege to come home and work and we have such, you know, good stories to tell and, and such wonderful crews to work with. It's coming home. There's nothing better, really. What's next? Uh, I'm going out to do something. It's not announced yet, uh, but I am shipping out in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to go do a thing in Boston uh, with Liam Neeson. Which would be fun. As you do. As you do. Uh, an action dealio. But, uh, ah. Which would be fun. Uh, oh, you've worked with all the big action stars now. Uh, Look at them all. Chipping, Liam and chipping, Bruce chipping, and Arnold. Through and a couple, yeah. <laughs> so what would be – what's on your bucket list? Like if you – at the end of your career, if you could look back, what is it that you want to feel like you've done? Or is there one thing that you have to have – no, honestly, it doesn't. I mean, there's there's a few stories I want to tell um, and, you know, some of them I've kind of got in, you know, minor stages of development. There's a few characters I'd love to portray but it's not – I've never really like – I don't know. I don't, I don't sort of have like landmarks set out. Um, not like a list of directors you have to work with. Not really, you know. I mean, that stuff evolves. You see a great film at a festival, you know, this year and all of a sudden that's the – person you want to hunt down and do anything for and so yeah I don't know I've never I'd never really I think I'm just kind of I'm trying to keep diversifying the things I take on and grow as an actor and um you know just stay hungry that's really what it's all about well thank you for having me to your home in we're in Eagle Rock right it's a long way from my home so I wasn't sure following the GPS but it's a beautiful home and you have your guitars in the corner I know you a bit of a muso too, right? Oh yeah, well, you know, I bash, I'm not afraid of pulling it out at 3am every now and then in the backyard. <laughs> well, That's about you. as far as my exploits go. Yeah, no. <laughs> thank, thank you, Thank you Jenny. so much for your time. Of course. All yeah. right. Pleasure. 
Shortly after we spoke, Jai headed off to Boston to film the action drama Honest Thief alongside another iconic action star, Liam Neeson. He's also expected to reprise his role as Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad with Will Smith and Margot. He's also expected to reprise his role as Captain Boomerang in the Suicide Squad sequel with Will Smith and Margot Robbie, so it seems like there's plenty of action in Jai's future too. Until next time, that's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app or look me up on iTunes. 